before we start this episode, did want to let you guys know that our guest this week, Ryan Greider, has started his very own podcast. It's called Life on Course. So go check it out. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other places. He has two episodes published so far. Go check it out. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Better Than I Found It podcast. This is Mike McGraw, the men's golf coach at Baylor University and your host. I'm continuing my series on current Baylor senior golfers, and today's guest is Ryan Greider of Louisville, Texas. Ryan and I talk about his youth growing up in Texas, playing all the sports growing up, but also uh, definitely playing the junior tours here in Texas, how that shaped him as a junior golfer. He talks about his recruiting situation, which was kind of unusual and somewhat tumultuous actually, as he went back and forth on commitments. And finally, he tells us how he decided on Baylor and why he chose Baylor and how that's been a great decision, maybe the best he's ever made. But he also talks about struggles in college, how it hasn't been a perfect path for him. Uh, Everything from underperforming to lack of confidence to surgeries that he's had and different things. But he also talks about relationships on the team, how they've strengthened him as a player and as a person, and how his faith has led all of this. So I think you're really going to enjoy getting to know Ryan Greider today, and I hope you enjoy the listen. Good morning, Ryan Greider. Uh, Welcome to the Better Than I Found It podcast. Great to have you on today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's an honor to talk with you and Coach McKell and Let's enjoy this. Absolutely. You know, um, we have done three recordings before with Baylor senior golfers. So we did uh, Colin Cober, Cooper Dossie, Travis McEnroe. And so you're rounding out our series of current Baylor players who are playing their last semester, if you will, at Baylor. So I'm really excited to see your perspective on your time at Baylor, what you think we could do this spring, what your plans are in the future. But what we want to ask and a lot of different questions and just talk about, you know, Brian Greider as a, as a person, as a player, as an athlete. So, um, so I am excited about this spring. I know you are too. Yeah, for sure. You, you should be cause you're playing the best golf of your life. This is a good time to be playing well, but before we do talk about this spring, let's, let's go kind of back. It's sort of a, a model, if you will. I mean, I want people to get to know you. So, uh, they it would be good if they knew how you got into the game, what some of your influences were as a young person. So, like, who got you started in golf and at what age? Um, so, kind of grew up on a golf course in Guthrie, Oklahoma. Uh, both my parents had their own golf carts, so they'd go out and play with their groups, and I would just kind of be along for the ride. Uh, my mom would pack me these uh, little fruit smiles, fruit smileys. They're like fruit juice snacks. And I just eat them while she played the whole time. And then I finally got a little bit old enough to where I could walk and I would just have a plastic golf club and I would just hit it and hit it again. And I'd meet them on the green. And I'd just chase them around all day. So that's just kind of how I grew up playing golf at a very young age, uh, really ever since I could walk. Well, I, I, you've never told me that story, actually. So that that's interesting to, to find that out. You know, I think that's one of the healthiest ways to get a kid started is just make it fun. He's, he, they weren't trying to make you a golfer at that time. They were just 
you were spending time with mom and dad. That's pretty cool. Right. Yep. I, they've never pushed me to play golf. It's always been something that I've loved doing. I'm just competing and no, they never pushed me at all, which I'm very thankful for that. And they just let me play all the sports growing up and uh, golf's just kind of the one that I chose. Yeah. So I've seen a bunch of photos of you and uh, Mark Reppy, who has played a lot of sports against you when you were kids. You guys played a lot of different sports growing up. It wasn't like you were just golfers. You you played others. Uh, what were you? What was your favorite sport other than golf? Uh, my favorite sport to play growing up was definitely basketball. Um, just that team aspect um, and just learning from other people how to be better and using team chemistry and like all these different things. Um, that's something that's tough in golf until you play in college. That's really the only time you're on a team. Um, so honestly, growing up, basketball was the sport that I loved the most. But over time, it just it didn't really pan out obviously. Um, and golf was just something I was better at and just moved forward with that. Well, you, you've, uh, obviously had a lot of great experiences and let's talk about your early competitive experiences growing up in Texas, because I know you played a lot of junior golf and, uh, you kind of, I think you won just about every tournament the legends tour had. <laughs> well, pretty much most of them, yeah. at least the bigger ones. Mm-hmm. And you played a lot of AJGA competition, uh, you played in some U.S. juniors. Your ranking got pretty high. What was your highest ranking you ever had, AJGA ranking? I think it was fifth. Okay, so you're fifth in the country? Yeah. Um, and so talk about your junior competitions. I mean, you, you obviously you love playing junior golf, so what are some of the great memories you have? Uh, just junior golf in Texas was something very special to me. Um, just the competition was so great. You know, you didn't have to travel – very far to find it uh, with legends junior tour they were great um it seems like there was a tournament basically every month even during the school year um so it was just fun to compete and it was the same guys pretty much uh throughout all of high school because i didn't play on a high school team um so just going around competing against those guys it was really fun and i i mean i enjoyed it so much what's interesting is you ended up a lot of those guys you competed against, they ended up on your team at Baylor. Right, yeah. I think when I got there my freshman year, I knew every single one of them. Um, every My first two years, I believe, everyone on the team was from Texas. And, that I mean, that was special. That's something that you really can't find anywhere. Well, that was intentional. Coach Black and I tried to uh, – well, we did. We tried to, to recruit – as much as we could in the state of Texas and then branch out from there. And we have some kids now not from Texas and they're great guys to have on the team, but I wanted to start a base in Texas and you were definitely in those plans, but you weren't always in those plans because no. your, your recruited, your recruitment, if you will, was a little bit of a roller coaster. You want to describe that because it wasn't like the normal one. You committed early. Mm-hmm. I committed in eighth grade to SMU. And at the time it felt great. You know, I got, everything over with. I could just focus on my golf. Um, and then, you know, various things happened that uh, made it a little difficult. And I kind of opened it back up. I believe my freshman year of high school, somewhere around there, I started visiting other schools. And I think there were two more times when I was like, all right, I'm just going to go to SMU. Like, it's close to home. The coach I was working with at the time was in Dallas um, at the our at SMU's home course. 
I mean, they were building Trinity Force at the time. And I mean, it still seemed like a great fit. Um, and then I really just had these conversations with Cooper. I remember one night we were upstairs, I believe at his house and we were, we were both committed to different schools at the time. And we were like, man, like I'm going here, you're going there. Like, it's great, but is this really what's best for us? And we talked, gosh, for hours about it. And we're like, it would be really cool to play for Coach McGraw at Baylor. And uh, I think I came on three or four visits. I never pictured myself going to Baylor. And I, yeah, was, I wasn't making much of an impression on you. <laughs> I mean, I, I liked it, but I just couldn't see myself going there. And I was so confused because um, I was just trying to pick the best option for me. And I was, I mean, throughout my high school years, I was so confused. And I was just asking God, you know, show me some signs of something of what I should do. And as crazy as this seems, there was a probably a week during a week I would uh, drive, whether that's to the golf course, school, wherever. And I saw Baylor stickers and bumper like tags on people's cars nonstop for a week. Like every time I would pull up to a stoplight, stop sign, whatever it was, there was a Baylor car in front of me. And I'm like, I think that's it. Like, I think, <laughs> I think this is where I need to go. And uh, I mean, it turned out to be a great decision. I love the team. Um, I don't think there's any hard feelings with SMU. I, those guys are great. Coaches are great. Um, you know, every time we see them at a tournament, I'll stop by and say hi. So, you know, I think that it all kind of worked out. It did. It definitely worked out for us. But I honestly think, and, and this is something I like to get through on certain podcasts when we're talking to former players or kids that played at Baylor, but it's this is such an impressionable time of your life, mm -hmm. and you're building relationships you're going to have probably for the rest of your life, a lot of them. And it's a first time away from home for most people. So it's like, this is a really critical time. And um, so I know it's meant a lot, lot to you, but it hasn't always been perfect. This hasn't been a perfect, you know, uh, road that you've traveled, but it shouldn't be. It, it, that's part of what, you know, makes us people, you know, it carves our character, if you will. So I, I want to talk a little bit about right now, one of your teammates, Colin Cobra, who was a year older than you. Yeah. And his redshirt freshman year, pardon me, his sophomore year and your freshman year uh, came along at the same time. And we had a great team that year. And you guys were basically in a battle for the fifth spot. I got to tell you, there was a lot of friction going on there. <laughs> that yeah. wasn't, it yeah. wasn't always fun to watch. And I know it wasn't always fun to be a part of, but three years later, you and Colin are best friends. So I want you to take us through the evolution of that relationship, how it's all come about. It's definitely an interesting relationship. Um, I saw him at a couple tournaments in junior golf. Honestly, never had a conversation with him. I would see him. We wouldn't really say anything to each other because um, I wasn't going to Baylor at the time. Um, so I would see him. I knew who he was. And then we got here. For, I got here my freshman year. He was a sophomore. And we battled it out for the fifth spot seemingly the whole year. And it was it was awkward. Um, we were it was obvious that we were similar in a lot of ways. Um, just our work ethic, dedication to the game. I mean, he's obviously a lot smarter than me academically. But 
I mean, it was weird. We would compete and qualify for the fifth spot. You know, one of us would be traveling. The other one would be an alternate or something like that. And as time kind of went on, um, I think we started to get better and realize that those tournaments in the grand scheme of things didn't really matter. Sure, you want to be playing and you want to be competing. But when you look back at it, I don't remember who played what tournament freshman year. But I do remember at nationals my freshman year when he was alternate, how supportive he was of me. Um, he truly wanted what's best for me. And I think that shows just the maturity that he has. Um, and just, I mean, it was it was great. It was very comforting knowing that he truly cared about me. And as time went on, I mean, this year we're roommates. We practice together every day. We work out together. I mean, literally do everything together, compete. Um, and it's awesome. We push each other um, just because we have the same, we truly have the same goals in life, I feel like. And, you know, we will talk a lot of trash. We'll play games on the golf course. But at the end of the day, like, we're, we're brothers. And, I mean, that's something that I don't think that I've had on this team the past three years. Um, so it's been great to have a close friend and just a great mentor in Colin. Um, well, and I know I, that I'm, I, if he's listening to this, I hope that uh, not making his ego too big. That's the thing. <laughs> well, I will say this, speaking to what you talked about, that battle you all were having for the last spot. And the last qualifying round was going to be the U.S. Open qualifying up at Hurricane Creek up in, uh, in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And Colin just played, I mean, a terrible round of golf. And he waited until you had finished your round, but he was already on the road driving. And he sent you a text. Do you remember what it said? I remember this very well, but go ahead. I don't really remember. I'm sure it was some, something congratulating me and hoping that I play well wherever we were yeah. going next. That's exactly what it was. It was basically, you know, I'm pulling for you. You won the spot fair and square. Go get it. Let's go get it. And then he was a champion as far as a, a substitute player. Yeah. Uh, he, he cheered everybody on in the postseason, did a great job with that. But, but I think because he treated you so well in that time, it, it opened the door for you all to really start building a relationship and, and it's based upon golf, obviously, but you guys share a whole lot more in common than just golf. So yeah, I'd say when we're on the golf course, it's strictly golf and we're trying to beat each other so bad. But when we're off the golf course, we rarely talk about golf, which I think that's great. We have other interests, other stuff that we're doing um, that really just kind of takes our mind off golf. It's, it's been great. Well, and he's been, uh, I know he's done a good job of encouraging you in school and, and you're going to get your degree at Baylor in May. I'm so proud of you for that. I think that's great. And I think that's something you can take with you the rest of your life. You came, I mean, cause you didn't come in your first focus was not golf when you came to college or when that was not school when you came to college, Yeah. but you've done a great job in the classroom. You've uh, you're going to walk out of here with a degree. He certainly has helped a little bit in that. I know, but, mm -hmm. but, so as we said, that was a struggle that year. You ended up getting the spot. You've played consistently in the lineup pretty much, but there was one fall you didn't play at all, and it was because of a shoulder surgery. So if I go back to the spring of 2019, mm -hmm. you were playing pretty well. We were playing nationals at Arkansas. Yeah. And I could tell you weren't right that week, uh, and you probably knew you weren't right, but something was wrong with your shoulder. What, what was that problem? Mm -hmm. I noticed it first at the tournament at A&M. I believe that was in April. Mm -hmm. 
I was like, man, my shoulder really hurts. Uh, no matter how many stretches I did, no matter what I did, it was hurting. And it took forever to figure out what it was. You know, I'd go into therapy every day, do tons of different things, and it just wasn't seeming to get better. Um, and then finally, I went to see this doctor that was like, you have TOS, and it's thoracic outlet syndrome. So basically, my first rib, which is right under your collarbone, there's two nerves that run through there. So they'll go kind of from your shoulder down your forearm to your fingers. And the ulnar nerve in there was being pinched by the first rib. So I couldn't feel my last two fingers. Um, and it, I mean, life just wasn't fun at the time. Because um, it, it would be one thing if it was hurting when I was just on the golf course. But I mean, it would hurt just as bad when I'm trying to sleep or, you know, walking to class. It would hurt just as bad. And so that's kind of when I knew that there was a problem. I had surgery. I got that uh, rib removed. And it took probably three or four months to get back healthy again, get all the therapy that I needed done. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely a roller coaster. Um, but looking back, I grew so much from it. Um, you know, the golf, I feel like that's that was the easiest thing to get back into. But just mentally, and I just grew as a person during that time, you know, when something you love is taken away from you, um, you have to find other things to do, you know, how to be happy and, you know, not playing golf. And I learned a lot from that. And you know, it, looking back, it was a blessing in disguise. A former player I had years ago, Jonathan Moore at Oklahoma State, uh, had a back problem, basically didn't play his entire freshman year and golf had basically been taken away from him and he said that was the greatest learning experience of his life because it made him realize i still have a family that loves me i still have uh, friends that also love me and pour into me i have this great golf team i have coaches who care about me i have a lord and savior i have my faith i've got all of these things how could <laughs> i mean that's not that bad i mean so what i don't have golf came back and Jonathan was able to win the national championship the next year. You had golf taken away from you for a, a physical reason and you chose to take it in a positive way. Very, very, very impressed. But speaking to that, I know faith is important to you too. So, I mean, how has that played a role in this little journey you've had for four years? Yeah, I think it's been very important. Um, I really put an emphasis on it when I couldn't play golf. Um, that's like, I was always, you know, close to God and, you know, talking, praying, all doing all that stuff. And I'm like, this is a sign that I can get closer to him. He's showing me that this is the time where you need to focus on him and everything else would just take care of itself. So I tried to put all my trust in him, knowing that no matter what happens, he's going to be there for me. Um, and I really just learned that, you know, everything comes and goes, you know, you're friends, relationships, whatever it is, even family, as tough as that seems, like they're not going to be there with you um, throughout your entire life. And But the one person that will is God. You know, during your darkest times, he's always going to be there for you. And that's just kind of what I learned. It was very comforting to me knowing, you know, that that's the reality. And uh, I think that's how I really grew most during that time. And I think 
the offshoot of that has been you've basically played the best golf of your life. Once you got back into the game, the mm -hmm. best golf of your life has occurred in the last several months to eight months, somewhere in there. And but I do believe that faith has been a big part of that for you. I'm really, really thrilled. And I'm thrilled you're at a university where you and I can sit and have this conversation, too. So yeah. that's been good. But so I'm um, I'm thankful you shared that story with us because. Not everybody chooses to take a real physical issue like that, a surgery that stopped golf for six months for you, basically, uh, and take it in a positive light. You've done that, Ryan. So that's great. I think Cooper played a big part in that. You know, his faith is huge for him. And he's been dealing with wrist, wrist problems basically his entire career. And that's kind of what he was talking to me about it. He's like, you can either, there's two roads you can take here. You know, you can be you know, down on yourself and really just hate life, or you can take it as uh, God's doing this for a reason. There's a reason for everything. Um, so I just tried my best to take the positive route in it. And I felt like I grew up quite a bit in a short amount of time. I think you have. <clears throat> and uh, again, two teammates that are, are pouring into you and making you better and there's value in this college golf field. And, and you'd never played on a team growing up in golf. Mm -hmm. You played on baseball teams and basketball teams. And I'm not sure going into college, I don't think you had the realization that your college teammates were going to play as important part of they as they have in your career. No, I had no idea. I, I mean, when I first got here, I looked as looked at them as, okay, they're on my team, but in a way, they're just my competitors, right? I'm just trying to get on the team and compete and do what's best for myself. That's kind of how I looked at it my first couple years. And looking back, I mean, that's just not how it works. Um, of course, you want to beat them, but you want them to play just as well, too. Uh, a big thing for me was, or just an example, was in Houston when Colin won a couple weeks ago. I was a couple shots back with nine holes to go. I'm like, man, like I really want to win this. But if Colin wins, that's amazing because I know all the hard work that he's put in. I've trained with him every single day. But I mean, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to try to beat him. But if he wins, that's awesome, too. And I was truly happy for him because I know all the hard work that he put in. And my first couple years, I don't think I would have been able to see it like that. Again, you're maturing. There is value in college golf. Your teammates have helped you. You've helped them. I, I, I honestly think that's one of the greatest things about the college experience is how we grow up and mature, and, but how we also realize we can't do this alone. There's just mm -hmm. no way. We have to have people to help us. So I appreciate you saying that, and, and the fact that Cooper helped you through an injury as well was great. So all of those things said, I, I've coached for 35 years, and – I could count on one hand the athletes that are as disciplined as you are. I mean, and we've actually got at least one of them on the team right now. But so I, I'm very, very fortunate and blessed to be coaching people who are disciplined and take care of their bodies and really train the right way. You are one of those guys. I'm telling you what, you work out hard, you train hard, you eat the right foods, you you are literally the consummate student athlete. I'm not just trying to build up your ego here, but how are you able to do this on such a consistent basis? Cause you've been very consistent about it for four years. Um, I just talking to my trainer basically every day and my mom and I, 
yes, I play golf, but I truly want to be an athlete. I don't like golfers fine, but I'd want to be an athlete. Um, and like, these are the things that I think that I need to do to be an athlete. Um, you know, whether that's at home with my trainer, I work out at a place where there's, you know, football players, baseball, basketball. And I love training with them, being around them and just seeing the different ways that, you know, great athletes go about their business. It's very inspiring to me. It motivates me to be better. Um, and so all these things that I do to try to take care of myself, I think that it also plays into the mental side because I know that when I'm working out and pushing myself, it's making me mentally stronger. So when I do get on the golf course and I face adverse situations, I think that it's a lot easier to overcome them because I know that I've pushed myself in some other aspect that, I mean, if I make a bogey, so what, you know, let's go make a birdie. I mean, it's not like football where there's someone out there trying to tackle you and hit you as hard as they can. Like no one's going to hit you out there. So just the mental aspect, I think is a huge reason of why I do all this stuff. Well, you know, it's coaches get rewards. Sometimes those rewards come 20 years later. Sometimes it's sort of immediate, but one of the great rewards for any coach in any sport is to see somebody come in look a certain way, act a certain way, be a certain way, you know, whatever. But to see where you've come in self-confidence, self-belief and conviction just over these times to watch how your faith has grown and just to see your excitement and confidence in, in what you know you could accomplish, that's fun to watch. And I mean, I've just been a little part of it and there's been a bunch of people pour into you. But the truth is, that's fun for a coach to see because you are playing the best golf of your life right now when you kind of need to start playing the best golf of your life. It's fun to watch. So thank you for that. That's a reward for me, an award. So thank you, coach. Yeah. Um, speaking to that, we do have some unfinished business. Um, you know, we had a, a season get cut short last year like it was for everybody. Didn't get to finish that season. I felt like we had a great team feel like we may have a better team this year, personally, myself. Yep. I think you're playing better than you've ever played. We've got a lot of guys playing at a high level. So talk to me about this spring. We've played one tournament. Now, I don't know when this podcast will air, but we'll, we'll have a significant portion of the season remaining. What, mm -hmm. what do you see for us? Uh, I think the sky's the limit. You know, when you look down our roster, everyone's amazing and they're great in their own way. Everyone does it a different way. But everyone's so good. And I think, I mean, we all have that one goal in mind. You know, we all want to be at Greyhawk holding that trophy. But I think that the most important thing is just staying to the goals we can control. Uh, I was talking to Coach McKell about this, like outcome versus process goals. You know, we all want to win. We all want to be great. But how are we going to do that? And I think that's just by process goals. You know, we need to stick to our daily routines and um, just do what we can that day to get a little bit better. And at the end, you know, if we stick to those goals and the routines, I think that we can be very successful. Well, I believe the same thing. And honestly, you're, all your teammates think the same thing. And I don't think it's anything, any re problem talking about it. You know, we have some goals and dreams as coaches. You have them as players. I think those match up quite nicely. 
what the coaches think and feel and what you guys are, are doing and what you're working toward. You know, we've, we've changed a little bit of our philosophy uh, as coaches yeah. over the last few years. Uh, one was uh, there was a lot of team practices your first couple of years. And we've gone, we switched to more individual practices. So where you guys will text us and tell us during that three hour period where you'll be and what you'll be working on. So how would you compare those team practices, which have a good quality of competition in them, but right. to the individual practices? Uh, I love individual practices. Uh, personally, I think I can get my work done more efficiently for me. Um, and then I, I like having a routine or something or planning out my day. And it's a lot easier to do that when I can practice whenever I want, um, can go to the gym whenever. Um, and I think that's how I found the most success for me is, you know, what, what works best for me. Um, and that's, you know, just kind of working on my own and then you know, going and playing with people. I like practicing by myself and kind of figuring it out. And then once I've done that, I love going and competing on the golf course. And I think that's been, um, it's been working for me. And I, I mean, I've loved it. I think that it's great that we can kind of make our own schedule and time for how we want to get our work done on the golf course. Well, this is twofold. One, it was hard for me to take my hands off the steering wheel a little bit, but I had to, I knew I had to. So but, but I wouldn't have done that if I didn't know that my players were self-motivated, that they would work hard, that they would do these things. And you guys are disciplined enough. All you got to do is tell me what you plan on doing, and I believe you're going to do it, and we do that. And, and so that's helped, and we're playing an individual sport. So you, you can't say that everybody's got to work on the same thing hardly, very often. You know, we're all different. So I'm glad you like that because I've liked it and enjoyed it more. And I think it's helped build us into a better team. We still do a lot of team stuff. Yeah, but for sure. The practices have been more individual, which has been great. So a uh, couple of things. I'm, I want to talk about life after Baylor, and then we want to do a speed round to finish on. But one other thing that I, that I, I want to bring up is um, you, you're going to get your degree this spring. You, you really only have one class to finish your degree, which is that's fun. I mean, that's a, a nice yeah. spring semester for a guy. Yeah. But you're going to be going to the – PGA Tour Canada uh, qualifying tournament in March when we don't have a, a team tournament. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that and what implications, what that could do for you. Right. I think that it's, it's an exciting time in my life. I've worked seemingly my whole life to be able to play pro golf. That's always been what I've wanted to do, and it's finally getting here. Um, so I'm super excited about that. Um, and I just want to treat it like I do these tournaments now. I don't want to put more pressure on myself because I just don't think that's going to lead to anything good. I just want to continue to have fun with it and see where it takes me. I think that, I mean, it would be great to go out in that Q school and play and have status. But if that doesn't work out, you know, I'm going to keep working hard. And you know, I think my main goal is just to have fun with it. I think it's so easy to put too much pressure on yourself and have so many expectations. But when it comes down to the end of it, when I was that little kid running around the golf course, I loved it. And I, I never want to take that out of me. I never want to do it for the wrong reasons. Um, so I just want to continue to have fun. Well, I think your faith plays into that because you, you have a, a assurance that it's not do or die, but you know, that's another thing people lose sight of. It is still a game. 
And when you were a 10 year old kid playing it as a game, you loved it. And right. so we don't want to make it a job. I talked when Webb Simpson was on the podcast a couple of months ago, he was talking about how he, he tries to keep enthusiasm up because it's easy to make it into a job and he doesn't want to do that. So the life after Baylor then would include professional golf. If, if that, uh, if you stay healthy and excited, you want to do that for sure. Yep, for sure. I think that that would be amazing. Well, I believe personally as a coach, I've watched a lot of players I've watched, through the years as a coach and I've, I've coached a lot of PGA tour players and I know what they look like and uh, <laughs> you look like one. So I think if, if things happen just the right way, I think you'll get, a, you'll get to play professional golf. And I know you've got the right perspective and your, your emotional control of the golf course is better than it's ever been. Your excitement and enthusiasm for working at the game is as good as it's ever been. So I don't see any reason why you wouldn't play professional golf, but I also think if they stripped golf away from you, with this uh, newfound assurance, I, I, I just believe you'd be fine one way or another. So yeah, I don't think that I would be able to say that coming into Baylor. Um, so I think that's sure you get better in college, but I think my experience here has grown me into being a better person that plays a much bigger role in my golfing abilities. That's great. Well, we're happy for you. We're excited about that. And I'm really excited to see what the next three months are going to, are going to bring. So one time. Yeah, you bet. So, okay, let's do a speed round. And these questions are pretty much the same as most of the ones we've done. So you've heard maybe a few of them, but there's a couple unique to you. Okay. Ready? Your yeah. favorite fast food. Chipotle. Chipotle. Travis McEnroe said Chick-fil-A. I thought you'd say that, but Chipotle is yours. Favorite pro athlete. Ooh, probably Tom Brady. I think that's a cliche answer, but I love all of his training and how he takes care of himself. It's, I mean, I've never seen anyone do the stuff he does. Well, and he's 40, what is he, 43? Yeah, he's timeless, it seems like. Timeless, it's crazy. Uh, favorite Coach McGraw quirk? There's I mean, so I many. Have, Narrow it down to one, please. Having lunch at 9 a.m.? <laughs> well I mean, everyone on your team's just waking up at nine and you're already having lunch if you've been up since four that makes sense to have lunch at nine okay so just get over yourself there okay that's a good quirk Shawshank Redemption or Remember the Titans I don't even know I don't even think I've seen either one okay well maybe maybe we ought to try to see one of those that's maybe okay you don't have to be more cultured <laughs> exactly uh, favorite course that you have played? Favorite course that I have. Ooh. Um, this is going to be a little different, but Hurstbourne in Louisville, Kentucky. I love that place. It was the coolest place. We played there like the day before regionals uh, a couple years ago. And it was the coolest little golf course, hidden gym. It was amazing. You know, somebody else on the team said that they wish we'd go back there once a year. And my assist, former assistant coach, Ryan Blagg, they get to play it occasionally. So now he, lives, he works there. Yeah, really easy. Uh, that was a great answer right there. I, I do love that golf course. Uh, course you'd most like to play that you haven't? Uh, probably Preston Trail. I, That's right in the heart of Dallas and a, a great golf course. Never been on there, have you? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm looking to get out there soon. I'm finally old enough. So, okay. Steak <laughs> or fish? 
steak. Yeah, boy. You know, <laughs> Ryan, most people don't know this about you. We went to a tournament. We were gone. It was a three-day tournament. We had a practice round. I think we even had a day in between. You've ate steak five nights in a row. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not paying for it. I want to eat some good food. You know? and All right. Steak, love a good meal. You love a good meal. All right. In a serious way, what is your best advice for an aspiring junior golfer coming up who wants to play college golf? Just the best piece of advice to help somebody 14 years old get ready to go be a college golfer. Um, go out and play. Don't grind on the range. Don't have too many expectations. Just enjoy it. And, you know, just love it for the right reasons. Um, that's something that I struggled with. Um, and I think it's so easy looking back that I just needed to continue having fun with that. If I'm struggling or not having fun, I just need to go out and hit shots, you know, see how far you can hook a golf ball, see how far you can slice it. Just enjoy being out there. That is great advice and undervalued. Most people don't talk about that. You know, they would say work harder, right? The swing guru or just any kind of number of things. Uh, the truth is love the game and enjoy it. That's a good advice. All right. Final question. Final question. Your dream foursome, you and three other players, who are they going to be? Uh, let's see. It's just my family, my mom, dad, and brother. Uh, we, seems like every holiday where it's Thanksgiving or Christmas, we'll all go out when the course is closed and walk nine holes. And uh, we actually did that over Thanksgiving. And I had my little push cart and <laughs> we attached my, our dog Piper to it. And she was like my caddy. She just run down the fairway, pushing my push cart. It was, I mean, it was the funniest thing. Well, honestly, I, I've had more than one guest say they'd want to play golf with their family. So that's that's really good because family is just about as important as it gets. I think yeah. this country could use more of that right now. So, But Ryan, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Coach McKell and I are fired up about the next three and a half months, and I know you and your teammates are. So let's, let's get this thing all the way to the finish line. Yep. Thank you, Coach. Let's go do it. All right. Thanks, Ryan.